0: It's episode three of the TX Water Polo podcast. I'm James Smith of TX Water Polo, and today, Joe Linehan and I talk about Texans at the biggest water polo tournament in the world. It's Junior Olympics week. Uh, Joe Linehan, where are you? I'm in North Texas. And I'm in Austin, as usual. So neither of us are at Junior Olympics, but that is the subject of the day. I mean, what else is there? Um, And... We both noted last week that there is going to be an invasion of Texans uh, in Southern California. They've now completed the first session, which is all boys, um, and mixed results. I think you would say would not at least I would say that um, eighteen and under boys in particular, um, the two highest teams uh, at the end of the tournament were were Trident and Thunder Black, um, placing third and fourth in the gold division. But no team in the entire tournament from Texas won their first game which means that none of them well i should put it in no no one made the platinum division which requires a win in the first game of the championships um so well, what really, was well yeah, i mean well
1: only three teams like
0: kind of had a chance to get right. there
1: and uh and they all and all three teams uh trident uh, by bridging green and thunder block they all had very good first games yes and they had Good opportunities to get the platinum they just didn't uh, get the job done that's so. right
0: um thunder fell to royal 559 by one goal and so they were immediately placed in the gold and uh trident fell by four to la miranda these are obviously very high quality teams this is nothing to be critical about it's simply yeah. an observation so and
1: and viper pigeon uh, was a, a leading by a goal against trojan going into the fourth
0: quarter yeah great club yep so despite the fact that they didn't make uh, these the the highest level the platinum level they did end up having very good tournaments again the um trident boys finished in second and the uh thunder black finished in third in the gold division um any takeaways from that from your perspective you you've uh, you've you have people on the ground there that knew what was going on what what did you take away from that
1: i mean i think it's tough sometimes you know Teams are going in and they want to, and they are their goals to make it to platinum. You no, know, it's yeah, and after that first day, if they don't make it, it's tough to come back with a mindset sometimes. And I think both Thunder and Trident came back with a good mindset, and and uh, they started winning some games on that second, third day, which allowed them to get into the semifinals. And they both probably wish that they probably had a couple things back here or there in the semifinals and placing games, but I think overall, you know you have to make the best of the entire four-day tournament, and I think they did, so.
0: Yeah, the Trident actually finished having beaten uh, Mountain Premier, um, Chelsea Piers, a good club, um, Moose from Ohio, 680 Red, to a Latin Hills, or one of Oregon's better teams in American River, which is Central California, Sacramento. Um, so, and, uh, and then fell to Greenwich in the final, which in Greenwich has been a very solid team for over uh, many years. So not a bad result whatsoever.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, um, yeah, Greenwich is always one of the top clubs out there that always sends teams throughout the age groups and both genders out to JOs. So I don't think, I mean, I, I think both of both Thunder and Trident both, yeah, they both fell to Greenwich there yeah. in the, uh. In the semifinal and then uh, and then the final, so you know there's. I mean, I think they both ended up well. I mean, I, I think it. The athletes and coaches can get as much or as little out, like kind of out of this tournament as they want. Like they both came away
0: uh, uh, better than than what they went in. So right, yeah. uh, Thunder beat American River as well by uh, four in their final match in order to, to to earn third place maybe the next team of interest really of an enormous number of texas teams is the 14 and unders from pegasus again from north texas Um, they had a tough beginning but ended uh quite strong and apparently some very dramatic games according to people on the ground there
1: oh yeah yeah there's lots of shootouts lots of one goal games and that's the whole that's the whole new format of the tournament is they after the first day you're placed into of Like a flight of teams that kind of yeah, that kind of matches your own skill set and skill level and such So there's gonna be a lot of a like lot, a, lot, a lot more closer games and and I think Pegasus again They came back and started and yeah they had a couple rough games there and uh, and they uh, a, couple, a couple close losses But then they came back and started winning and they just kind of and they won their way back into that opportunity to, to Yeah to play for a medal there in the fortune under championship
0: division gold. Yeah, and yeah, gold they earned uh, fourth place they uh, they, they played 11 games and uh, lost twice in shootouts, once to Northwest Orcas and uh, once to uh, Tustin Patriot, which is, I think, back in high school, um, and, but finished strong um, so that they, they, there was, they had a rough beginning because they, they're facing La Jolla, a very strong club, they lose by four and then proceed to, to uh, assert themselves over time, but a very good finish for them, third place in their division. Fourth place, I think they got fourth. Fourth, you're right. That's right. I'm looking at uh, Northwest Orcas. They they make these colors blue and red for these teams in order to indicate who won and lost. And I uh, I reverse them sometimes. All right. So uh, sixteen and unders. Wh- what's the who's the team that uh, that you felt did the best? Um,
1: I mean, I think you have got to give some credit to Storm who. Who was the highest placing overall team for, right. for, for? Yeah, from the Southwest Zone in the 1,600 boys divisions. You know, um, I think they got 14th in gold. I think Southside got seventh in bronze, and of course, I think Zilla did a great job. And, and yeah, although they were they uh, they were playing in the Invitational division, they they were they were beating teams left and right, and yeah, and playing well. They I think they got ninth in nickel. So.
0: Right. Yeah, they tore it up after a while. It's again struggling at the beginning, but uh, did quite well. Um, And right. The uh, storm uh, defeated Costa Mesa in their final match. They 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 ended up in on a a sort of a run. Uh, Morgan Hill win, a win over NorCal, a a, a win over CHOP, a win over Costa Mesa to finish the tournament. This is a, a pretty strong result. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean. I think up and down the line, you know, each team's to have their own little issue, like their own little goals going in, into the event, and 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 I think that it's that like it like it like it changes after the first day, and then you just want to be able to, to play well and get better, and and that's what these teams were doing, especially you know um, the teams in the um, like the classic and the and the, and the invitational divisions.
0: So. Yeah, those are. Those are just great recruiting opportunities. Is that is that your experience. You've been coaching here for a long time.
1: For recruiting opportunities, for what? For college coaches to see kids. Well, oh, that
0: too. That's actually a good point. But more a matter of helping grow your club. You you can present them with results from a tournament, the the biggest tournament in the world, and presumably that's gonna uh, that's gonna attract well, families.
1: Well, I'm a, I'm a I'm a firm believer of of trying to go out to JOS. Yes, and I think it's a great opportunity for. Kids to go out there to have a good time, uh, regardless if they're trying to get to uh, to the platinum division or if they're just or, or if they just step foot off the plane, and that's and in and in in that's the success story. The coaches and the parents' uh, responsibility is to make sure that they have a positive experience. Yeah, both in the pool and out of the pool. So whenever they do come back home, that they wave that flag of waterfall and about how much fun it was, and then they tell their buddies. And then, and then, and yeah, and then you help start growing your club even more in the fall and beyond. Right. So. Yeah, and then aspire to go back the next uh, summer uh, and do a little bit better next. Yeah, that's right. And, and do a little bit better. And do a little bit better. This is not going to be one of those things where um, teams are going to go out there and win the first year. And a lot of, and I have talked to people throughout the country, like, well, I'm going to wait till I can go out and win JOs. Well, then I'm like, well, the, well, then you're never going to go right you know I mean you have to go out there and it's a process yeah go out there and play in the classic division uh, or go out there and then play and get in at the bottom of gold and then get at the top of gold and then uh, and then make the platinum group right so and it's I mean this is this is this is this is just what it's about it's not like a one or two year thing it's going to be over time right
0: and that's uh, that's what the Pegasus Twelve and Under Boys experienced. This is a pretty new club, a new new program, um, and so they were they were in the championship division. They finished in fourteenth uh, place in the gold division, but yeah. they came away with some pretty impressive wins.
1: Yeah, I think Pegasus did a great job. I mean, I think Spencer uh dornan and his group over there are are, are doing great things over in the dallas uh like the greater dallas metro er, er, like like area it like you know they have a brand new pool with smu and they're attracting a ton of kids and they have a great parents group and they're just going to keep getting better and better and they and yeah and they've been growing the sport over the last three years or so with the younger kids and then just kind of aging up each year and it's and their hard work is showing so yeah.
0: Yeah, really good. Um, a couple other uh, things to cover. Maybe my own uh, prejudices toward uh, the Austin area teams. We mentioned Zilla before. Longhorn eighteen and under boys played in the classic division and came away um, ha- having had a ver- their best result ever for any of their teams. So a little shout out to them. Um, and uh, anybody else?
1: No, I mean, and I mean, I just, I mean, if you just talk about Longhorn for a sec, they were out there for like ten days. Yeah, or even more. And. Uh, I mean, they were out there, and they played a lot of water polo, and uh, and they trained in Longhorn again. Tom and Allie, and uh, and their coaches and athletes and parents—they've done a great job over like over the last year of just kind of redeveloping that group and really refocusing that group, and the results are paying off
0: now. Yeah, Tom Andrew and Allie Hill. Allie Hill's has had a lot of success in the state. Tom Andrew, my goodness, he's been around for a long time. Was a very successful player out of your hometown, San Antonio, and has uh, really, I would say, changed the culture at that program um, in the last year and a half or so. Um, so, yeah, well done to mm-hmm. them because th- this is by far their best result. Yeah,
1: yeah, and uh, and 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 I'm just proud of all. There were a total of 23 total teams. 23 for boys out there, yeah. and. Now, and then today, there are gonna be 17 total girls teams that are checking into to, to um, the NGAO Expo and yeah, and getting hotel rooms and, and then they'll start playing tomorrow. There, so there'll be 17 total teams from the Southwest Zone playing tomorrow. Incredible. So, so it's, uh, for the coaches that are out there and they're there all week, this is like Groundhog Day
0: all over again. So. <laughs> yeah, today is basically the day off and they get a bit of rest and then they're right at it. And it's not even really a day off, it's an administrative day. Actually, right, and, I would never think
1: today's a day off. This is, <laughs> so. So in my little mind, in in my experience, the like the busiest day of the year was always the Friday of boys' JOS. It's right, and the then, Friday of, got it. And then, then the Friday because you have to travel, you have the whole team traveling. You have to check into the hotel for the first time. Okay, you have to figure out where everything's at, etc. Not just, and then, then you're also doing training in there too and then so you're not and you're still getting your bearings as you go and then of course most clubs have more boys teams than girls teams so that's a lot of kids and then then girls it's like okay the girls come in on wednesday yes you have to go pick them up the airport and but you already know where everything's at you already have your vans and you already have your hotel rooms you already have everything set you already have a good understanding of what's going on the best time This is as a coach and yeah, and parents don't take this the wrong way. But the best time is whenever you drop those kids off the airport. (laughs) They go yeah, and then they go through security and on Tuesday night you go somewhere, you get a glass of wine or you or you get a beer or you put your feet up and go
0: uh, (laughs) Ugh So we there have a, we have a, dozens of coaches doing that today. There's no competition. No, that was yesterday. And, that was yesterday. last night that they did that. Last night they did that. Today there's no games on the schedule, but people are working like crazy to get things ready for tomorrow morning, and they kick off at 7 a.m. West Coast time tomorrow. So um, we'll be back talking about this again next week in All Girls. Okay. So um, we're going to take a slight break. We'll come back and we'll talk about our own experiences and at least what is junior olympics for um and and how does that how does that uh, affect the way that texas teams consider it so we'll be right back after this have you noticed that there are no advertisements for dental care or online recruiting services on the tx water polo podcast same with the website no pop-ups no banner ads well we'd like to keep it that way so we're asking for your support your donation will help us with new equipment better sound quality interesting writers and maybe even improve podcast hosts so to help us expand and improve our coverage of the sport and state we love go to txwaterpolo.com forward slash donate that's txwaterpolo.com forward slash donate and be sure to subscribe to the pod on apple google stitcher spotify or radio public and give us a good rating if you like what you hear James Smith, Joe Linehan back, uh, and this week the subject is really just nothing but JOs. There's a couple other things to talk about, but so we talked about the teams that are participated in the first session, which were uh, all boys, and now maybe some more general uh, information or at least experience with Junior Olympics because it has changed a bunch over time. This year they're celebrating their 50th anniversary, um, and uh, so how has it changed over time in your experience?
1: Oh, in my experience, uh, now you're just uh, calling me old, mm-hmm. um, but that's okay. Uh, I mean, I actually played at the Junior Olympics when I was 12 years old in St. Louis back in, I guess, 1985 or 1986, and that was back when it was still with the AAU, and um, that was great because that was a bunch of different sports, etc., um, I think you played at that
0: one too right James I didn't play that one. I played the year before in Iowa City for I guess I think the age groups were 17 and under or something oh, like yeah, that
1: yeah yeah. It, yeah, it used to be 17 15 and under and stuff like that
0: yeah yeah so the year before we we lost to Trojan in the final in the 17 and under and then the following year I made the brilliant decision to stay home and work in Southern California while my teammates went out and to St. Louis and won so that, that was a that was a smart decision on my part well, I was a little
1: 12-and-under athlete, and we took a big van ride from San Antonio, Texas, up to St. Louis, so that was, a, that was a fun little trip. So that was my introduction, and who would have thought that I would go to way too many of these tournaments over the years, right? Yeah. So, but, um, but then, you know, I do believe, back like, kind of soon thereafter, in the late 80s, early 90s, is when the USOC kind of mandated for their national governing bodies to, hey, we want you to run your own championships outside the AAU. And that's whenever um, USA Waterpolo then took over the tournament and started running their own champ. Their yeah, their own national junior mm-hmm. Olympics. And actually, I went to that too um, as a as a high school kid, and oh, I played in both the seventeen U and fifteen okay. U divisions. Um, and that was back in like eighty nine or ninety. So right. that was and that was kind of funny because I went up there and we went to some like a like a youth national team camp in Colorado Springs. And then I traveled out and stayed with my aunt and uncle in Southern California um, and played in a tournament and then I played in both the 17U and 15U and then as soon as that was done I went and knocked on my swim coach's door at uh, at the junior national tournament or the junior national swimming Meet, which was which was yeah oh which was at uh, Mission Viejo and I go hey I'm here to swim tomorrow <laughs> So I didn't really swim for three weeks, and then I just went to a national championship, too, for that. So okay. it was all in the same place. Yeah.
0: So that was a long time ago. So. No, it wasn't that long. I'm older than you. So um, do you have any sense for why it switched from AAU to USA Waterpool? I mean, one could think that there is just an administrative thing, but I don't know whether you have any other information about that. I don't really have
1: much of any other
0: information. I just believe at the time it was just
1: I think the, the USOC wanted to give the uh, – the national governing bodies the like the right to do their own championships their dad like they're like they might have had some issues with uh the aau at the time so um but other than that i don't i don't really have any um kind of i was a little young at the time i <laughs> I had,
0: I had other things on my mind at the time. Yeah, you weren't and you didn't have insight into the leadership of the USOC, I guess. No, no, at, no. At 12. Well, the, the result has been enormous growth. That's been, for, that's been terribly clear. Um, the one thing that you mentioned that the, the kids are a little bit missing out on was it was fantastic to be around all these other athletes from different sports. And so you now you're just surrounded by water polo players. Nothing wrong with that at all. But it's super interesting to watch these incredible basketball teams, or synchronized swimming, or track and field, all that kind of stuff at the same time.
1: Yeah, and, yeah. But the trade off you get for that, though, is back whenever I played in the 17U division, there were like about 16 teams in the event. Yes, that's great That's that's and, right. And that was, and now just look at the number of teams. I mean, the number of teams is, I mean, has risen and risen and risen over the years to where this year there was over a thousand teams in both boys and girls which is this is the largest junior olympics ever right incredible and um and it is a i mean i still remember going back as a coach back in 2003 for the first time um that was whenever um it was still a little bit smaller um and they and they only had the championship. They didn't have the classic. They didn't have the invitational levels. Um, they were barely fitting enough teams for the 12s and 14s. And I mean, so it's uh, it's even since then, it's grown it's grown significantly over time. Um, and I, and I will give. I mean, the Junior Olympics is something that USA Water pool has done a great job with over the years. And since 2010. They decided to revamp it and really put a lot of effort and time and make it really and uh, and really really nice event for all involved because it in 2010 was like a like a watershed moment I mean and I and I say that because in 2010 was when it was and it was hosted in LA proper yeah I mean like and a lot of pools had not really hosted events before um, it, there were some sketchy areas like there was oh there was one time where we were told, "All right, um, all right. Our kids were about to go over to the McDonald's across the street, and the person that was taking the admissions, like, "You don't want to go there." It, I mean, <laughs> it just wasn't a good area. Yeah, and um, that's and, where I grew up. So there you go. I mean, there was, I mean, yeah, and yeah, and there was even a place. There was even one pool where the chlorine was so bad that they canceled games and uh, and had to reschedule them. Ah, good time. So I mean, and but from there, USA Waterpool, like the home office took control of that event and really made it something special. And it's just grown every year since then gotten better and better every year. And yeah. I mean, and, uh, and, um, and, and, uh, and I'm proud to be part of USA Waterpolo to yeah, who puts on that event. Um, it is, it is, it is something special now. I mean, it was one of those events wherever you didn't really know what, what you were going to get sometimes back in the mid 2000s like to give you an example it was in florida i mean this was one of the last times it was outside of california it was in florida back i think in 2004 and the second day or 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 the last day of girls JOS was rained out like we just didn't have games yeah and no Which makeup was, yeah and no makeup because that that, that was it we had to get on our flight to get home so we were happy to get on we were happy to get on our flights to get home and and uh but overall it's i mean it's it's yeah it's been great and uh was it i would highly recommend and and kind of highly support and to get to, to yeah to try to work and have that carrot at the end of the summer for your teams to go out to JOS.
0: well that you bring up an interesting point so uh the 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 tournament is held traditionally in either Northern California or Southern California. Southern California, is the, I, I, I'm fairly certain, is the easiest because there's just a higher concentration of facilities. And even though you might be spending an hour and a half or two hours to get from one to the other, um, they're still geographically the, the most compact. Northern California is a bit more of trouble. There are plenty of pools, but they're distributed more widely. Is there, and, and you just mentioned Florida, can you see any other region of the United States being able to host this tournament uh, in the future? No.
1: I mean, it's the at the size, the current size that the yeah that it is. No, I can't. I, I can't see it. Just, I mean, it's it's it. Even before they added the classic and invitational divisions, it was it was growing, and. You know, there's. It. I mean, it's not just well. You need this many pools for this many days, but you need this many pools that can have 25 meter courses all deep, plus a warm up area. Right. You know, and it's. I mean, there are. I mean, there are 40 plus. You know, uh, courses being played for boys' JOs. You know, and um, they'll be about the same. You know, for the girls, or 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 for the, the session two for uh, that starts tomorrow. It's it's one of those things where um you, you want to make it a fan-friendly experience an athlete-friendly experience a club uh, like a club-friendly experience and and right now the only place that has the infrastructure that yeah that yeah that can do it is uh, is stanford and the san jose area and then uh, of course orange county sorry right. because, it, because it's because it's not just using the pools but it's also people that can host an event yes you know and and then getting it and then getting the pool for four straight days all day right. in the middle of july which is also the middle of year round, which is the the middle of long course swim season too so yeah.
0: well you know there are people who talk about what uh, texans who are interested in in the idea at least of hosting like why don't they come to texas and and uh, i'm with you like uh, the infrastructure is simply not in the place as good a place as texas would be um but it speaks a little bit about uh, what you and I both experienced with the AAU in particular was that you would go somewhere else. I mean we were in Iowa City uh, at the University of Iowa in 1985 and that's where I became educated. I'm a Southern California native about these other clubs like Daisy from St. Louis and, and Spartan from Michigan and you don't even realize that there are these teams until um, you experience playing against them. So I know that uh, the, the California teams play against Teams from all over the United States, but it'd be kind of nice to uh, distribute those teams uh, outside the state every once in a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, what I think that um, USA Water Polo is trying to do is, you know, there's other events that are outside right. of California. For example, for those that are listening, you know, the Champions Cup is going to be at the University of Houston this upcoming November, wow. which is which Breaking is the fourteen under uh, which is the 14 under eighth grade and under national championship. So that'll be, uh, I think it's 12 boys teams and 12 girls teams from around the country. You have to qualify through your zone. This is a tournament that's been going on since the late eighties, early nineties. It used to be called speedo cup way back in the day. Um, and, uh, and it's now called champions cup and it'll be at the university of Houston, um, in November. So I'm looking forward to seeing that, that the, kind of come here. There's been national events here before, um, they had Champions Cup up in North Texas, you know. Before the Champions Cup has never been in California, you know. And I think we're like, you know, USA Waterpolo is actively kind of, yeah, is kind of looking to place different events outside. But again, it has to be a manageable event for the facilities, the clubs, the and the people on the ground to manage. So right.
0: Again. Yeah. All right. Uh, We have another week of JOS to talk about next week, but for now we're going to wrap that up and we'll come back and talk about a couple of odds and ends uh, right after this. He said, baby, what's the big deal? Feel what you want to feel. James Smith, Joe Linehan, wrapping things up for our, can you believe it? This is our third podcast. We haven't been booted off the air yet. Um, You know, both of us with our interesting voices.
1: I don't know. I don't think, yeah, can people actually boot us off the air? Is there some little company out there that can do
0: that? It's growing still. So I'm waiting for the point where it starts to start, you know, starts to drop. And we haven't seen that yet. So thanks to everybody who's listening. We'll, of course, say that at the end. Um, a couple other things just to talk about at the end, uh, um, and one is really more, one is a matter of um, highlighting maybe the best team in the world. And I don't mean the best water polo team in the world, one of the best teams in the world, which is the USA women. They're playing for their third straight world championships coming up uh, in tomorrow. It's an inconvenient time because they're playing in Korea, but they're going to play Spain again, um, and they're going for their third their third, uh, uh their third championship in a row, plus I think they're at 53 consecutive games or something like that. So um, something to just observe. Um, the men uh, had struggled a little more. They're playing, and maybe one of the most notable things is simply that they have yet another non-Californian on the team, Matt Farmer from Chicago. So something to simply point out. This he he was a very successful player at UCLA, and he's a big guy, um, but. It, uh, it is not inconceivable to have a Texan on that team or the women's team at some point. Although the pipeline is just incredible.
1: Yeah, we actually had um, we actually had City Salas make the women's uh, uh, cadet national team and played at a uh, women's nationals a couple weeks ago. Yeah, uh, City from so, and, but uh, yeah, I mean, and if you want to watch the games, they're on the Olympic Channel. Um, also, go to USAWaterpool.org, and then you can get links to
0: exactly where to stream them too. So. Great. Yep. That's right. And they, they do get replayed and they're worth watching. Um, so, a reminder to everybody as we wrap it up that uh, we want to hear from you. We want subject matter that we can talk about. We've had some um, input from people which is fantastic about uh, things that we should cover. So, find us at pod at txwaterpolo.com, txwaterpolo at Twitter, on Facebook txwaterpolo, Instagram we are tx underscore waterpolo. And on the web, of course, at txwaterpolo.com. Thanks, Joe, again. And thanks to our hosts, Red Circle. And thank you for listening and telling a friend about the TX Waterpolo pod. We'll see you again soon. Take a chance on us, Rose of me. Together we'll find What brought you closer.